Father, we thank you so much for this morning, and we pray your blessing on us. Grant us grace and peace. Fill us with hope and renewal. May we, may we as a people be of one heart and one mind, and may you bless us richly this morning. Grant us wisdom, understanding, and rich and abundant blessing. For we ask this in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, this morning, instead of uh, continuing in Luke, I'm going to take an opportunity here to jump out a little bit for perhaps this Sunday, perhaps next, not exactly sure, but we'll get back into Luke. But the reason being is that Mike and I thought it would be helpful for us as a congregation to think about um, something in this particular season of our lives as a church, especially as in, in reference to the things we've talked about earlier and had you guys praying for. We want to make sure as a congregation, as we move forward, that we truly understand where it is we want to go and how it is we get there. And we want us to be on the same page, especially lately we've been asking you guys to pray, pray for uh, specifically some people that we need, some leadership that we need. And we want to make sure that as a body, as we move forward, that we all really see that this isn't something that, you know, okay, pray for the, uh, pray, we've been praying that, you know, God would raise up evangelists, pray that God would raise up uh, people to do work for in the area of our children, pray that God would raise up leadership in regard to administrative areas. We've asked you guys to pray for these things, but we want to make sure that we understand, we all understand not just to pray for them, but understand why. I thought it would be really important for us to see, okay, this is, this is who we are, this is where we're at, this is where we want to go, and, and, how, and we all on the same page, okay, this is how we get there. And we hopefully this will convince us even more for the need to pray more diligently and really devise a plan to move forward. And I thought the best way to introduce this this morning was to, th- to think about an analogy. And a lot of us in this congregation are into physical health. And for good reason, right? Physical health is a good thing because if you're healthy or if you're not healthy, you run the risk of contracting unnecessary sicknesses and illnesses. You often have low energy, unclear thinking, and even having serious diseases that can affect us. We know, we, we know that unhealthy is not good, Right? Right. Healthy is good. And when we're healthy and we're doing well, we feel better. We have more strength, more energy. Life seems better. So we think, okay, be healthy. Healthy's good. Now, the next question is, healthy's good. I want to be healthy. What do we normally and typically do? Well, we have to figure out what healthy is. What does healthy look like? And then, what are the key components of health? I've got, if I'm going to try to become healthy, I've got to understand something about health. I've got to under, and then as you do some research and you study and think, oh, hey, hey, if I'm going to be healthy, I realize that, you know, important factor here, what you eat and drink, pretty important. Sleep is important. Limiting stress is important. And we find some pretty key components. Okay, this is what I've got to do. I've got, if I'm going to get healthy, then I've got to start watching what I'm eating and drinking. I've got to start you know, limiting the stress of my life, getting better sleep. There's these key components. All right, I start figuring this out. And then we devise a plan after that for how it is we want to get to where we want to go. And then as we go down that road, 
we start reaping some benefits of it, and bit by bit, we start feeling better, and I've got more strength, and, we'll, and the congregation will talk at the back and say, hey, how's it going? Yeah, doing well, feeling a lot better, you know, I'm, I'm sleeping better, whatever it is. This is, it's something that we understand that if, you know, if we want to get somewhere, like health, and then we're here, we have to figure out what we need to do to get there, what are the necessary components, and then devise a plan and start working towards it. And this works in everything you do in life. That whole process that we go through. So where it is that you want to go, where it is you're at, what's necessary to get to where you want to go, and then you devise a plan to get there. And it's no different for the life of the church. We, we too, have to understand where it is we want to go, where it is we're at, what are the key components to getting there, and what do we have to do to get there. This is how it works. And the thing is, in a healthy church, as I've said several times in the past, I've talked about what, what does a healthy church look like. We know that in, in its ministry, at least, in a church's ministry, it should be effectively reaching the lost, discipling believers, training up leaders, and then sending them out to multiply ministry. This is what we see in the life of Jesus. This is what we see in the life of the church. And a good and healthy church is doing all these things effectively. Okay, so now we know, we've talked about this, we know what it take, what we're, what we're looking for. And here's the other issue, though. We start to realize, okay, what is necessary in order to get there? Well, we look at where we want to go, we look at where we're at, and we say, well, one of the key factors here is that, and what we're going to look at this morning, is that the church needs appropriate and effective ministers. So here's a little M thing. Minister, this is just because it works. Ministers to re- reach, to have effective ministry so that we can accomplish our mission. You like that? M-M-M? You need effective ministers to have effective ministries so you can accomplish your mission. Yeah, that's good. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> that's what we say is it's sticky, kind of. So this morning, I want us to look at and really understand why is it that we think that we need certain kinds of ministers or slash leaders in order for us to get to where we want to be, health, as a church. And so we're going to look at that this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And the first thing I want us to note here in Ephesians 4 is that the church has a desperate need for particular ministers because Jesus designed it this way. And notice, did you hear what I said there? I said ministers, plural, not a minister. Now, that's significant. And the reason for that is because Jesus never intended for there to be a minister in the church, but rather ministers who, do, who equip the saints for the work of ministry. One more M. Ephesians chapter 4, what does it look say in verse 11? Ephesians 4.11, Jesus, it says here, Jesus gives gifts to the church in order to equip the saints, equip the members for the work of ministry. He says this specifically, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some shepherds and teachers. And then he tells the purpose. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. Now, when it comes to understanding these particular ministers given to the church, we have to first of all see that the apostles and prophets were foundation stones in the church. 
So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And, but the apostles and prophets are foundation stones, with Jesus being the cornerstone. If you look back in your Bibles at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, it says this. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation, listen to this, hear this, built on the foundation of who? Of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for for God by the Spirit. So the apostles were the ones who were the direct witnesses to Jesus and to his resurrection. And the prophets are those given, given direct revelation about Jesus and his resurrection. In Acts chapter 1, where the apostles talk about replacing Judas and filling his apostleship, they're discussing amongst each other what they should do. And the requirements for doing so, for filling his office, were found in Acts chapter 1, verse 15 and following, where it says this. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The brothers, the company of persons were in all about 120. And he said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in his ministry. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, from beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Did you catch that? So what were the qualifications here of this apostle? So the key thing, yeah, is that he's a witness to the resurrection. But then the other says, he says, that was from us from the beginning. And he witnessed Jesus from the baptism of John. And he basically saw it all. But the key part here, as he stresses, is that these must be become, this person must become to us a witness of the resurrection. Now, Paul actually became an apostle like one of the 11 did. Because he was commissioned specifically by Jesus. And he was a witness of Jesus resurrected. So Paul wasn't self-made. Paul wasn't even made by the church. Paul was made an apostle by Jesus Christ. Just like the other apostles were were made apostles by Jesus Christ. And so along with these apostles as foundations in the formation of the church were the prophets. Now you have to understand something. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, and all of them, all of them have one duty. All of them are doing the same thing. They're all ministers of the word in this sense. They all are declaring to the people who Jesus is and what what he's done and testifying to his resurrection and then applying that to people's lives. That's all we're called to do. We're called to testify of Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and how that works its way out in our lives. The difference is, is the apostles and the prophets were foundational stones. 
And they, the apostles, are ones that were commissioned by Jesus personally and were eyewitnesses to his resurrection. The prophets are a little different. They were not eyewitnesses particularly to his resurrection, and they were not ones who followed Jesus or were commissioned by Jesus. However, they were given the revelation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ by the Spirit. They were commissioned by the Spirit. The Spirit reveals to them not some crazy outlandish stuff, but what? Jesus. The Spirit reveals to these prophets Jesus and the wonderful works of God done in him and through him and for us. So the apostles and prophets were given direct revelation from God for the purpose of the church to lay the foundation so that the church could know who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and what that means for our lives. Laid that whole foundation. And upon that foundation, then, comes the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now you'll see that the ministry is very similar. Because this next group of chief ministers, so to speak, this group here is doing the same thing. What's an evangelist doing? What's pastors and teachers or shepherds and teachers doing? They're proclaiming to you the works, the wonderful works of God and Jesus, proclaiming, telling you who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and, and, and testifying of his resurrection. Based on what? Based on the testimony and the ministry of the apostles and prophets. They laid that foundation, and now those who rise up as evangelists, pastors, and teachers, what they are going to do is go do that in extension of the apostles and prophets. Those who are like the walls, they're not the foundation stones, they're like the walls going up afterwards. And they are going to do the same thing. Now, evangelists, it's obvious, right? In this sense. Who are they going to declare that to? Unbelievers. But shepherds and teachers, who are they declaring that to? Believers. So they're going and they're all doing the same kind of ministry in this sense. They're all testifying to what Jesus came to do. What Jesus did and has accomplished. And then they're applying that to their lives. So here are these, all these people, and sometimes we can get caught up in or whether or not they're for today or not and all these things. But the thing is we have to understand the apostles and prophets, they're foundation stones. And you don't just keep building the foundation forever. They had a place, and the purpose was they were particular. They were particular, and they had a place, and that place is fulfilled. It's not like, the, here's the reason why we don't need apostles and prophets today, because the foundation's been laid We have for us what the apostles have already laid down the foundation. It's declared to us. What do we know? We know who Jesus is. We know what Jesus has done. We know what Jesus has come to do. And then we also know how it is we apply this to life. The foundation is laid. The the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, they're not doing something different. It's just that they have a different form of revelation. The revelation comes to us from the word. The revelation came to them directly from the word. Jesus. And so with that understanding, realizing we don't have something all different, we have, we have ministers of the word, yet to different people now. We have people to different groups of people, for example, the evangelists to unbelievers, pastors and teachers to believers. Now, having established that, I want us to understand something else here. That notice in the passage in, in, Rome, in, sorry, in Ephesians 4, He didn't say that he gave to each church a pastor. Did you notice that? He gave to the church 
these ministers, plural, not a minister, but ministers for the work of ministry. So the, ch- the church needs actually appropriate ministers. And here's the second thing I want us to see here. We need appropriate ministers. And it isn't uncommon for the church to send out, this is what the church normally does, sends out eager, an eager man, an eager man to plant a church or to fill a pulpit all by himself. And then after about two years, well, he begins to burn out in flander because he can't reach his community. He can't shepherd the saints, teach the congregation, deal with counseling and discipline, organize a team to fold bulletins, do emails, etc., etc. There's a lot of work. A lot of work. So if the church is going to be healthy, and if the church is going to effectively reach the lost, build up the saints, discipling believers, training leaders, and send them out to multiply ministry, in, the, in all of that, there is just tons of work. This is too much. And the reason it's too much is because Jesus never intended the church to function this way. He didn't design his church to have one person at the helm trying to lead everything. Yet that's what we do. And we wonder why the vast majority of churches have less than 100 people in them. And most of them from transfer growth. And we're an example of that. The church today is doing a horrible job at reaching the lost in its community. And of course, there are churches that are healthy and they're effective and are doing a great job at reaching the lost, doing a great job at discipling believers and training up leaders and then sending them to multiply ministry. And in those cases, in every case, you have a team of ministers who lead the saints in the work of ministry. If you look at a really health church plants or churches that are healthy and effective in these areas, you will see a person like me, a preacher up front most Sundays. And it gives the impression that 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 is the minister. And you don't know, here's what you don't know, you don't see what's going on behind the scenes. If they're healthy and effective, they have behind the scenes fantastic leaders doing a killer job at equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for all aspects of ministry. Now, I was doing some research into this and looking around and trying to see what other, you know, what, what are the keys to effective church planting and what, what, do, what are people saying? What are some of the leaders within church planting saying? And so often, every one of them says, you've got to have the right launch team with the right leaders. And all of us here, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd quote one example. I know we're all familiar with the church planting network, Acts 29. It's very around this region because the, the major church connected to that network was Mars Hill. And that's had a lot of publicity and everybody knew everything that happened with that. But, but Acts 29 is an international network of churches that are planning churches, thousands of them, around the world. And I, I found it interesting, I was reading some of their documents, and in one of the sections it talked about one of the things they require to plant a church. And here's what it said in one of their official statements about church planning. The requirements. If the church plant depends on the talents and efforts of one man, it will not succeed. Each and every family member has to be called and ready to give <clears throat> their, life in a way for the, their life away for the mission. 
Now, this is under the heading of the necessity of having a planting team of leaders. They've got to have a core group of leaders who are going to lead the different aspects of ministry. It says, I have seen many a solo church planter launch out with the full intent to lay it on the line. Yet, it needs to be said that solo missions are difficult missions. And I would ask add to that near impossible because of the vast amount of work that's required. He went on to say, we plant with teams. These teams include equipped men and women who are willing and ready to engage on the front lines. We look for individuals who know the cost and are willing to sacrifice to move the kingdom forward. So, the, so, so Acts 29 as a network is now at the place where they will not plant unless you plant teams. Teams. They do not, and they will not plant solo pastors. And it's because they've seen over and over again, without fail, that great church plants and great churches have fantastic teams of ministers leading. Now, that doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that you have a team of preachers every Sunday so that you can tell. Sometimes we visually can't tell because we see one person up declaring and preaching every week and we think, oh, that person's, they're leading the church. Because you don't see what's going on behind the scenes. And I hear I want to say this. It's the, the, reason this is, the reason this is the truth is because you go back to a, uh, Ephesians 4 and go, duh. That's how Jesus made the church. That's how he designed it. To be a team of ministers. Look, he says, I, I created these people so that these people could lead in the key areas and then raise up the saints to do the work of ministry. And so we realize, man, it's a necessity. We have to have the certain kinds of leadership. The church, if it's to be healthy, if it's to be effective in its ministry, it needs a team of ministers doing their job to lead the people because so many people say, yeah, I'll volunteer, I'll help, I'll do the work. But we need people to lead it to, in that direction. So it's a, it's a huge need. Now, someone might ask, if we need a team, and I hear what you're saying, Dean, then why don't we just have someone in the body volunteer to take on the duties? Now, that would be great, but the church needs, in certain capacities, gifted and dedicated ministers for that particular, that particular leadership ministry. It's not for just anybody. And here's what I mean. Even though there might be someone who would volunteer and take on a leadership ministry like this, it takes more than a simple volunteer. It takes someone who's gifted and highly dedicated with the ability to gather people, train people, equip people, develop people, and then also develop ministries. Ministries and have those people function in those ministries. That is a lot of work, a lot of time, and it takes a particular gift to be able to do it. It's just not something that you can just do willy-nilly. There's a lot, a lot that goes into it. And I, you just think of, think of this one area. One area, for example, if we were to... Now, if you look at the church and you say, okay, if we need someone... We particularly, if you looked at a need that we have, if you were to ask the question, do we have someone who, like someone who can minister in that capacity as an evangelist? You'd say, no, we don't. 
So I think a church that doesn't have that is, is going to be lacking and is going to be really struggling in its ability to reach the lost in our community. Now, if they don't have that, just think of what it would take. Someone, they have to be able, be able to train and equip the saints. They need to be able to know what it means to create, uh, to create teams, to build in ministries, how to build ministries, how to get out in, into the community and, and do particular ministries to reach the, reach the community. They also need to know how to do to, uh, big events that draw people and, and know all the details of that and how to put that together so that people will find that a wonderful thing to go to and bring friends to. There's a lot to it. There's a lot that goes on. And you, you can't, we can't stress enough how important it is to have the right kind of leadership in the right place. And that when you don't have the right kind of leadership, you'll often find it, you'll find that you're unhealthy in an area. And when you're unhealthy, it's usually because you don't have the leadership to lead the way. Just think of how important it is for the Seahawks to have the right people on the front line. Guess what they're doing in this offseason? Trying to fix the front line. Just think of how important it is for the Mariners to have the right pitchers, right, Joel? <laughs> if you've got weaknesses in the lineup, you have to fix it. Just think of how important it is to have the right judges become Supreme Court justices. Just think of how important it is for Trump to get the right people to fill his cabinet. We know... And we know intuitively when we see him pick good people for a position, we rejoice. When he picks, if he picks someone bad and bad ones have been picked in the past, we groan. Because we know the difference that will make and the impact it will have. Just think about how important it is to pick the right person or the right surgeon to reconstruct your busted leg. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. Having the right people in the right place is essential in whatever it is to get to where you want to go. Leadership is essential. That's why Jesus says these people were given as gifts to the church because the church needs it to get to where it needs to go. And what, there's, when we have the wrong person, what a disaster it is, right? You want to, you want to mess up your offense? Sign Johnny Manziel. <laughs> you want to mess up your leg? Have me do the surgery. You want to make sure you lose the battle? Have Mickey Mouse be the general. It's self-evident in so many ways. Self-evident that it's necessary to have the right people in the right place. And Jesus says, I've gifted and I've called and I put people in place to do the work of ministry. Ministers so that you can equip the saints to do the work of ministry. You know, throughout the years, you can see throughout your years, how many, a lot of you have been in church a long time. A lot of you have put in a lot of miles. And, and I'm sure that if you look back upon people leading particular ministries, whether or not a ministry moves forward and grows and flourishes, or whether or not it flounders and fails. And you could see, watch the dynamics. Watch when you have the right and good leaders leading, what happens? And when you have poor and incompetent leaders, what happens? Now, here's the thing. It has nothing to do with the person. 
you could actually like the poor leader way better. Like, personally, I like that guy. He's like my, one of my best friends. But the guy has not been gifted or called or equipped to lead in that particular area. And so he backs off, and yet he finds somewhere else where he's gifted and called, and, and, and he does well. And so we just can't just find, okay, anybody have a pulse and is willing? Okay, you, you lead. What's going on? What's, what's happening here? They don't even know how to explain what's happening. Not sure. You know, a good example of this is, and what's fascinating about it is because we can see it before our eyes. And I asked Mike, I get, he got his permission. I'm going to use him as an example. Back in the early days when he first came to us, Mike was eager. He'll do anything. Hey, when do this? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. He'll take on things. So we had him doing some administrative stuff. And we came to realize, well, Mike's not gifted at administrative stuff. Got <laughs> me to say the least. <laughs> so it's not his gift. Mike's like, but I love Mike, we, we're just, and Mike's eager to serve, so we just we moved him over here and moved him over there. And next thing you know, we come to find out that Mike knocks it out of the park when it comes to teaching and preaching and, and counseling and, and praying and doing, and doing calls to worship. So we've, we've, we've been at this for a long time, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful, I like it because it's the best picture I could think of in the body that we know of where you find somebody who's eager, says, yeah, he was a, who would do this? And Mike said, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. And then he does it, and we find out that it doesn't really fit his gifts and calling, so let's pull it back out of here, and let's try something over here, and then you get him on where he's going. And how many of us at this point now could imagine life and ministry without Mike? You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a difference maker. He, he sees where he's flourishing, and, and he's blessing us and ministering to us because now he's doing something that he's gifted, he's called to, he's passionate about, and God is working in and through him. And it's a glorious gift to the body. And it's, actually, it gets to the point where you're like, man, I don't think we could do this without him. <laughs> Amen. You just proved my point. Because this is, this is what we have to understand. The right people in the right place... Leading ministry. And that's the thing. Until we do, the church isn't healthy. So we ask ourselves, where do we want to be as a church? Honestly, where do we want to be? Do we want to be healthy and effective at reaching the lost, discipling believers, training leaders, and then sending them out to multiply ministry? Do we want to be doing the kingdom work that Jesus has commissioned us to? Of course we do. Now, okay, we want to do that, and we look at where we're at, and, we, and, and if, let me ask you the question. How are we doing at reaching the lost? <laughs> Not good. So what should we do? Try harder? Let's start, I've got an e, let's start five new ministries. They're going to be amazing. I don't even have a clue where to start. It's like... Uh, anybody want to volunteer to, to lead it? I'll tell you, in two months, they'll all be dead, gone, buried. Because, let's go back to Ephesians 4, 11. Guess what he gave the church? And I don't see this a lot in the church today. He gave them evangelists. Gifted, called evangelists. Shepherds and teachers. We do pretty good on the shepherds and teachers part. 
But on the evangelist part, not so good. I want us all to see and understand that there's, we have got to solve that. We have got to deal with that. And the way to deal with that is that's why we're asking you to pray. You have to be praying that God would raise up for us somebody who could come and lead in that area. We need that leadership. Otherwise, we're, not gonna, we're gonna be floundering there forever, trying to spinning our wheels, wondering what, what we're doing. It needs and it requires that good leadership to press it forward. And I want us to be on the same page about that. I want us all to feel a sense of that, yes, Lord, that's what we need. All of us to say, yeah, I know they told us to pray about this. They told us, yeah, they said, yeah, we, should, we really need this. I don't even understand why. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get why. Hopefully this morning we say, yeah, I get why. I understand why. I see where we're lacking. I see what we need, and I understand why we're asking you to pray. Something that Mike and I have done, been doing, we've been praying every week. We pray about this. We talk about it constantly. We're, we're, we're saying, okay, this is where the needs of the church, and we really need to do something about this. And so him and I, I don't know if you guys, how many of you are familiar with Gospel Coalition? A few of you. Well, Gospel Coalition is a, a group of like-minded people who are, for the most part, reformed, for the most part. Not, not strictly, but it's, it's, a, it's a group that has gathered of like-minded people around especially the gospel. That's why Gospel Coalition. Like-minded people who are for and want to promote and want to st- step forward and do all they can to extend the gospel. Well, this, they have a website, and so there's places where you can interact with people and have discussions and such. And Mike and I have interacted with some folks on there, and there's, there's ways that you can communicate through that particular website. And there's, some, there's several people, actually, we come to find out as we've been investigating this. There's actually a lot who are out there in the world. We've even had discussions with people in Nairobi, Africa, or wherever that was. and all, they're, they're, just, they're out there, just to say the least. And we didn't even know that. Having some discussions and going back and forth in regard to uh, their views on evangelism, philosophy, theology. And it, what's been fascinating is there's been some people that we've had good conversations with that are actually very aligned with us theologically and philosophically and Mike and I begin to realize you know what there's people out there that if we could somehow get them here and entice them here that they they could really do an amazing job at leading in this particular area and so Mike and I have and there's actually one particular guy that him and I are really resonating with and this guy's resonating with us and this and this guy's got a real crazy passion for evangelism he's gifted and he's and he's already, you can tell when a person's already doing it. It's not like, yeah, uh, yeah, I would do that, but, but, but. No, he's like, no, yeah, he's, he's daily engaged in evangelistic activity. And it's so refreshing to see this and to interact with them. So Mike and I, you know, having talked with him, one of the things that we'd like to do with you guys is, is have us thinking and praying about putting together a plan. If there's a way that we could... Th- think through, and Mike and I have been busy at this, as, as I've said, of how it is, could we bring a person here, is it possible to bring somebody here who could lead us in this way? And so I want you guys to think about this and to be praying about this specifically. It's, and this, actually, 
I sh- I'll give you this person's name so that you can pray about this person specifically. And, and, and we want to con- come up with a way and a plan. Is there a way that we could get this family out here is a possibility. So I want, we need you to know this. We need you to be, get behind it, and we want you guys to be praying about it. This person's name, his name is Matthew Fisher. Great last name. He's a fisherman. Matthew Fisher. This, yeah. This other funny, this other guy we were talking to, his name was uh, Scott Lucky. And I say, hey, Mike, we Scott Lucky. <laughs> Never old. So anyways, this Matthew Fisher guy, his wife's name's Heather. Please pray and that God would give wisdom and direction as we continue this conversation with him. He is... We, you know, as we talk with him, this guy is very excited about doing the work of ministry in regard to evangelism. This guy is, he's gifted, he's passionate, and we want, we're at the place where we're saying, okay, we've been praying about this, we've been having these dialogues, now we have to devise, can we come up with a plan, a way to move forward? And here's the other beautiful thing about this. This is an opportunity for us to see and watch God move. Because if we're to bring someone in in this capacity, this stretches us beyond our capacity financially. And as, as a result of that, here's what we, this is what we, Mike and I, we've talked, and we said, you know, listen, we can't, there's one thing we will never do. We will never go forward or promise beyond what God has already given or delivered. However, what that doesn't mean is you just sit, we just sit and, and, and wait for something to happen. We want to move forward prayerfully and watch where God is at work. And, and each step of the way, move forward and see what God has for us. If God's, if God's opening the door, move forward. See what God has for us. Move forward. Step by step, watch and see what God has for us. So you, we need to understand that as elders, we are, we are committed to moving forward only according to what God has given and opened for us. We are not committed to jumping forward ahead of God in any way. That's why we need to prayerfully walk forward and see, is this a guy that could actually come here with us and and lead us in this area? We need prayer, and we need to walk step by step, being wise, being discerning, and understand what kind of plan we should lay forward to see if this could actually work. Because one of the things that we are going to find out that as we move forward, and is this, if this is of God, it, it won't and can't fail. If it's not, it will. And the thing is, is as you take your steps forward, and you see where God's at doing, where God's at work, and you watch him work, watch him also provide if this is what he has for us. If this is what he has for us, we can take a step forward and see what he does for us. If it's not... We back away and say, no, this is not for us. So I, I call all of you to understand that this is a desperate need in the life of Redeemer. And if we're going to be healthy and effective at reaching the lost, discipling believers, training leaders, and multiplying ministry, this is a need. But at the same time, it's also a pivotal way by which we can walk forward and see God move in our midst and get really excited about what he's doing. So please, please pray with us. Please uh, ask us any questions you have about this. And also, we'll let you know step by step, as this progresses, we'll communicate a lot about this, about what is happening with it. 
and where we're at in the process. So I want us all, hopefully now, we can kind of heads be in the same space, understand where things are at and where it is we want to go. And we can together walk through this process and in it see God move. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your ministry to us, your grace and mercy. And we lift up the situation to you. You know our needs. You've called us as a church. You know what it is we need. I just pray that you grant us wisdom and discernment. I pray, O Lord, that you would guide each and every step that along this journey and this path, that you would grant tremendous wisdom. Father, I ask you that if, that if this Matthew fellow is a person you would have come here, I pray that you would make that clear and obvious to all of us, that we'd be of one heart and of one mind, and we would walk forward watching you work to see how this might work itself out. Father, we pray for blessing. We pray for grace. We pray for you for it to abundantly provide and show up powerfully in our midst, for we ask this in Christ. Amen.